Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 250, her first year as director. I'm Garrett Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, and astronauts, and leaders, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight. In June of 2021, Vanessa E. Weich was chosen as the 13th director of NASA's Johnson Space Center, located right here in Houston, Texas. Weich made history by becoming the first African-American woman to be a director of any NASA facility and the first African-American and the third woman to be director at Johnson Space Center. Serving at NASA for more than 30 years, Vanessa began her career at NASA in 1989, holding several key positions such as flight manager in the Space Shuttle Program, director of operations and test integration in the Constellation Program, and as associate director of exploration, integration, and science. And that's just to name a few. She previously served as deputy director at Johnson, a position that she held from 2018 to 2021. Vanessa is a graduate from Clemson University, where she earned a Bachelor of Science in Engineering and a Master of Science in Bioengineering. In May, she was awarded an Honorary Doctor of Science degree from Coastal Carolina University in her hometown of Conway, South Carolina. Vanessa has created an enormous impact in the community and beyond, leading Johnson Space Center into a new era. Serving as a role model across the country, she's a passionate supporter of science, technology, engineering, and math or STEM, and believes in the power of mentorship and the importance of always following your dreams, no matter the barriers that may stand in your way. On this episode, Vanessa will be looking back on her first year as center director of NASA Johnson Space Center and the plans she has for the future. Without further ado, let's get right into it. Enjoy. Vanessa Weich, thank you so much for coming on Houston. We have a podcast. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. It's been a year that you've been in the director position. I feel like it must have flown by. Uh, well, I would say in some ways it's gone by fast, mm-hmm. you know, uh, but I've accomplished a lot in one year when I, you know, reflect on it being a whole year. Uh, so uh, I don't think it's gone by as as quickly <laughs> <laughs> as, as one might think. Well, that's what we're going to explore. We're going to explore what you did, uh, what, how you got here, what your ambitions are, that sort of thing. And, and, and we haven't had a chance to have you on the podcast, so I figured we'll, we'll start there. We'll start... Um, We'll start from your childhood, uh, bringing us up uh, to uh, to what inspired you to pursue what you pursued. Because you've been at NASA for well more than thirty years, right? Nineteen eighty nine was your was day one, was day one at NASA. And so I feel like uh, I want I wanted to start just what what got you here? How what inspired you to to pursue space? Yeah. So you know, Gary, growing growing up um, as a young girl, I loved exploring, just mm. being outside, figuring out how things work. That just was something I I actually liked to do. Um, so I grew up the youngest of, of five. Both my parents were educators, so they pretty much uh, instilled in all of their children the pursuit of uh, academics, why it was important. And uh, I always loved math and science. So it was just, it came easy to me, so I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I did well in those subjects. Uh, when I was in school, we didn't necessarily have like a technology high school or something like that. Uh, so I did go to um, a, a program uh, one summer. It was called our governor's school. And um, so it was at a college campus. There were lots of other students that were interested in, in going to college. And that was the first time that um, I heard people talking about going into different fields. So it actually gave us a battery of tests. And so what mm. do you, you know, would they recommend for you? And the recommendation for me was to be an economist. I was like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I actually uh, went back home um, and uh, my parents and I talked and decided that I would finish uh, high school a year early. So I finished high school uh, and uh, enrolled at Clemson University, mm. and I began uh, there as a uh, biochem student. 
So then back up a little bit. Uh, so my biology teacher uh, in high school actually was very uh, instrumental in me pursuing uh, science as a career. Hmm. Um, I actually uh, looked up to her quite a bit. Uh, she uh, was just a very, um, she was a very interesting person and uh, she seemed to enjoy what she was doing, right? You know, and I was like, okay, yeah, and I like doing this too. So maybe this is something that I can go into. And uh, so she said, you know, why don't you look at it as a career? So I started um, as a biochem major. And uh, however, I quickly learned that I was not a fan of looking into microscopes a lot. Ah. And so my brother was in school uh, there at the same time, pursuing a degree in engineering. And uh, so, you know, we talked, I talked to my professors and uh, so, you know, kind of thought, well, you know, you like to analyze things, you like to figure things out, maybe you should go into engineering. And so I switched majors and what was like, you know, a light bulb went off and of mm, happiness. <laughs> awesome. And so um, I got my undergraduate degree in uh, what is now materials engineering. And then um, I still, you know, liked biology and knew that I wanted to uh, combine that with the engineering. Mm. And uh, so I was going to go uh, to Georgia Tech after leaving Clemson for uh, bioengineering. And my uh, faculty advisor found out that I was going to go to Georgia Tech, and they were like, well, guess what? Clemson's standing up a master's in bioengineering program. Why uh -huh. don't you stay here? Uh, and maybe to sweeten the deal, we can get you a fellowship. And so I said, <gasps> okay, well, nice. uh, that sounds great because there was not one <laughs> waiting for me at Georgia Tech. Right. Uh, so I decided to stay at Clemson and I got my master's in bioengineering. So anyway, so I got my master's and um, actually began working for the Food and Drug Administration in mm. Washington, D.C. Uh, at that time, uh, they needed people to come in with engineering degrees. They had doctors, dentists, uh, several people uh, to uh, help them with medical device evaluation. So think mm -hmm. lasers, think implants into bodies, et cetera. And so I began working at the Food and Drug Administration doing medical device evaluation and I uh, loved it. Great job. Yeah. Uh, it was very exciting um, at that particular time to date myself uh, was the beginning of the um, AIDS crisis mm. in the United States. And so one of the things was trying to figure out how to help with prevention and so I actually got to uh, be a part of doing um, uh, materials testing for prevention barriers to, to the AIDS um, virus itself. And that was quite rewarding to be a part of that. Uh, and, you know, Surgeon General Coop, you know, you, and we had all these panels of all these world-renowned scientists that I got to work with. And uh, so it just kind of was a, a really exciting time. However, I uh, was in Washington, D.C., a great city. There's lots of different people. And I met uh, someone uh, that I actually fell in love with. Uh. And uh, he asked me to marry him. Uh, he was finishing up law school at Georgetown, and he was a native Houstonian, and he wanted to move to Houston. And I said, okay, well, if I go to Houston, I have to have a job. Mm. So I have to start thinking about what that would look like. And uh, so that's actually how I ended up at NASA. I uh, needed to find a position. I came down here and uh, interviewed and actually began my career in what was then called space and life sciences, uh, doing experiments on astronauts. So kind of still along the same lines of uh, what I was doing before. Mm. Uh, now it was helping internal and external PIs with developing hardware uh, and their experiments, helping them to be able to be space qualified and to be able to do these biological experiments in space um, as a part of us understanding how humans actually um, live and can live in space. A lot of folks we talk to have that space bug, but it seems like you had more of a, because of that that teacher, that mentor you had, you had more of the biology bug. You never seemed to let that go. Even when you pursued uh, um, engineering, you still hold on to the biology. Even at NASA, you wanted to you wanted to be involved. It, it just some, seems something that you're just very, very passionate about. Yeah, I am. I'm very passionate about it. I mean, for me, uh, what I do and I love doing is seeing us in humans in space. I know what it does to the body mm -hmm. and the studies that we are c continuing to do. Many of them have roots in studies that we've done years ago. So we have a database of, of uh, astronauts, mm. subjects, 
uh, that we, you know, looking at uh, those changes uh, in terms of the physiology, um, as well as continuing going forward, knowing that we still have a lot to learn as we want to go to the moon again and have extended stays and then going on to Mars. Mm -hmm. So I get to continue, even in the role that I have today, of applying uh, that particular expertise. And so so that's what I want to explore for just a bit is because you, you're in this very technical world. You pursued a very technical thing, um, not not only engineering, but even even the sciences, the hard scientists. You said you, said you weren't necessarily interested in microscope, but, but I imagine it was like a sort of a heads down sort of thing. I wonder, I want to get a sense of where this idea of, of leadership started coming into play because some of your roles, as you go, as you look at your career, um, you had more responsibility, more management, and that seemed to be something that you, I wonder, I want, I want to get a sense of it, if it was something you were actively pursuing or maybe just sort of fell into. Can you talk about that transition and, and that that move from more technical uh, to, to more human and people-focused? Yeah. So I, I will say, actually, the very first job that I had at NASA, a little bit different. So the jobs at the Food and Drug Administration we're kind of more like an individual player hmm. because, you know, you would either be, you know, working with a science team and you're, you know, or you're working with a company or it would be more of an individual player. When I came to NASA, uh, immediately it was working in teams. And so beginning as a project engineer where I was responsible for a particular payload, let's say, I still had a team of contractors external PIs that I had to get everybody on the same page, right? Uh, and so that was really the first uh, beginnings of leadership and leading a team mm. was, you know, hey, how do you lay out the vision? How do you lay out a schedule and say, okay, we're going to all work to the same thing. And I actually enjoyed it quite a lot. Mm. And so um, I, from the project engineer position, which I had like maybe a team of maybe 12 people or so, right? to then being responsible for entire suites of payloads that we flew um, what was called Space Lab, and we flew it in the in the shuttle. Mm -hmm. uh, so then being responsible for teams of, let's say, you know, 30 contractors, maybe 10 to 15 civil servants, and then the external community. So it could be like 40 to 50, 50 people. And again, you know, laying out what are our roles and responsibilities? What is, you know, my job is X, your job is Y, and empowering people to go off and do their, their piece of it, and then it all coming back and rolling, and then seeing your final product, you know, flying and working in space. And that's, I kinda, it kind of got the bug. Yeah, and so <laughs> it is. then I started, um, I switched and went to the shuttle program, mm. And again, I uh, had responsibilities for payload integration and working with, you know, internal teams, external teams on um, similar kinds of things. So getting there, whatever there was not, it was then I went from be, being a life science minded to having satellites to <laughs> just, you know, yeah. and, and so that kind of broadened. Uh, the the expertise. But I would say, you know, consider it systems engineering, no matter whatever the system is. Okay. And so um, moved on to then being a flight manager for shuttle missions and teams of like 3,000 people, right? Wow. And so, but I what I did learn was those skills translate. The ability to work with people, identify what the problem is, say, this is how we're going to solve it. This is what the solution is. Mm. Whether it could be from an uh, integration standpoint, you may already have what your solution is, what the plan is, but still getting everybody to buy into it. Mm. So sitting down as a team early on and establishing how we're going to work together as a team. What are our jobs going to be? What are our roles going to be? And then really empowering others to do their part, not micromanaging them, mm -hmm. saying, you know, this is what the schedule is, expect the product by whatever the date is, and then it all coming together. And I mean, to me, um, I still get great thrills out of all of our missions, right? Yeah. So like, you know, now the, the missions that we're doing uh, to the space station with our commercial partners, 
watching how NASA and SpaceX or NASA and Boeing work together to put together these very complicated missions that have a, you know, end result of our, our astronauts getting to space, mm-hmm. thriving, uh, working in space, and then them returning safely. It's that that must have been something that you, you you mentioned it as a bug. You got the you got sort of the management bug. And I, I think there was a little bit of a bug, but it seemed like you, you were also very good at it. Because um, because you I see a, a couple different roles uh, that that you sort of progressively just got more and more responsibility. You talked about you talked about in the beginning there was that you were a, a team of contractors, a team of uh, principal investigators, and then you said managing three thousand people. It became more and more challenging, but you just seemed to want to take on those challenges. I wonder what drove you to do that, to, to just say, all right, I think I'm getting good at this. Let me let me take it to the next level. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think part of it is, uh, yes, I, I recognize that it was something that I liked to do. Mm. I was passionate about it. And then the other is, is that, you know, just knowing I've, I'm very passionate about human spaceflight. Mm. And so uh, in order for us to continue to do that, somebody's got to step up and do the job, right? And so willing to do it, liking to do it, so why not me? See, that uh, you said you're you're passionate about human spaceflight. I wonder where that came came up. Because remember we talked about, you talked about biology, we talked about engineering. Um, it, seems like, it seems like at some point in your career, you started to really fall in love with what we do at the Johnson Space Center. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Day one. Day one? <laughs> Day wow. One. <laughs> What sold you? Yeah. What sold you? Well, I mean, just that, you know, so uh, so coming here day one and um, some of the challenges of spaceflight, especially, um, like I said, when I started, I was looking at the physiological changes, human, human adaptation to space. And so seeing how we can actually learn and then make changes, hmm. um, what we call, you know, risk mitigation or um, uh, the ability for us to figure out ways of adaptation. And so seeing how you could actually, you know, make a difference, that I think was really what got me excited uh. is that this was something that I could really see us um, as, a, as a country, as a, as a species being able to learn how to live on other planets, other worlds. That is mm. really not just a science fiction, but this is science possible. As you as you move through your career, you had you you touched a lot of different places of the of the Johnson Space Center. You mentioned shuttle. You mentioned you know there's and then there you went into a position of exploration, integration, and mm-hmm. science. Right. As you were going through your career and started taking on these new challenges, what did you discover about just the breadth of human spaceflight? Because a lot of people equate, especially shuttle, right? They think human spaceflight, shuttle, right? But there was there was just a lot. What did you discover as you were going through your career? Yeah. So I would say, you know, especially um, so I was you know, working in the shuttle program, loved it, loved what we were doing. Mm-hmm. And but I wanted to be a part of learning about how new vehicles could be built mm-hmm. and the capabilities of being able to do deep space exploration. So I did move over uh, to um, at that time crew exploration vehicle. That was the, the uh, predecessor to Orion. Right. And so I, I went uh, and just spoke to the person that was leading the group at the time and said, hey, I'm interested. Uh, and he was like, sure, join the team. <laughs> so literally just packed up my boxes and, and just, just started working on something new and different. Um, and so, you know, for me, just looking at the ability for us to um, – you know, proceed to go further, to go to the moon again, mm-hmm. that we had to have a new vehicle to be able to do that. So I wanted to to be a part of what would it take to be able to design, develop. Uh, so for Orion, seeing it today, um, we're about to do Artemis One, the mm-hmm. uncrewed test. You know, we laid out that as a part of our um, flight test program years ago. And um, so now fast forward, we'll be uh, finally uh, putting our humans on board and, you know, all of the things that it takes to be able to do that, that it's a very complex. It is yeah. not, uh, you know, as you said, you know, people think of, you know, shuttle, 
you know, that was a, a LEO capability. It allowed us to build the International Space Station. Uh, and now we're learning a lot on the, on the space station. We're using it for discovery of things here on Earth, as well as things that we'll be able to, to do going forward into the future. But then looking at the capabilities that we'll need to be able to go to, to the moon, mm -hmm. having a gateway where we'll have, you know, crews that'll be go, they'll stay for like 30 days. They'll be able to go down to the surface with a landing system mm -hmm. and then return, eventually having a, a base on the lunar surface. Mm -hmm. You know, the things that it's going to take to be able to do that. Well, we're learning those today using the International Space Station. Those technologies were proven out so that when we eventually are able to have a lunar base, which then will allow us to learn the lessons that we need to have to be to have a Mars base and going forward to Mars, that is all interconnected, is all tied together. Um, but it is really, especially for, um, you know, we we are on Mars today, right, with mm -hmm. robotic missions. But having a human there is going to be, I feel, a complete game changer in people understanding exploration of other worlds. When they see humans walking on the surface of Mars, it will be, you know, like today, Perseverance, you know, great. Everybody was very excited about the landing. Mm -hmm. But just imagine what it's going to be when they're actually humans walking on Mars. You must have seen that um, sort of whenever you you, you transitioned from the shuttle and then you had this interest uh, with, with this new program that the predecessor to Orion, the CEV. You must have seen some sense of the potential for what what that what we're, where we're at right now, and you sort of want it to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. Looking at that, looking at where, when you first thought about that potential and and started working with the CEV to where we are now, thinking about that level of progression and just how we've how we further defined what that what those possibilities are. Um, what excites you most about that progression? About just thinking about where we were, where you were for CEV to now, and then where we can be in the future. What excites you? Oh, yeah. No, it excites me because, um, you know, I know that the transportation, you know, of getting to a destination, you know, is, is going to be the toughest part, right? Mm. Uh, when you even think about exploration here on our own world, right? <laughs> you know, being able to take ships that finally got to the new world, and then it allowed, you know, commerce to begin. And so I look at that th the same, is that with the human exploration of moon going on to Mars, we had to have the ability to get there first. And then now, you know, once we're able to to demonstrate to do that, then we'll be able to lay the infrastructure in mm. to be able to do exploration of of the moon, further exploration of the moon, and then exploration of other planets. Backing up to your pursuit to 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 enter into this world, when when you found what what was it about what was going on in your in your career where you were being successful in your job and you, then you decided to walk up to someone and say I want to try something new. Um, what was what was going through your mind and and um, you know what what inspired you to just go for it? So um, as a young child, <laughs> mm -hmm. I was always a very curious person. And my parents encouraged me to be curious, to try new and different things. Mm. And so I think that really, Gary, kind of just became a part of who I am mm. to say, you know, why not try something different? Why not learn something new? And uh, so it was a risk, you know. One, I could have been told I'm not inter I'm not interested, <laughs> or two, uh, you know, it could have not worked out. I'm, you know, I'm, I may not have done well, but I I just felt like it was it was the appropriate time, and uh, so I I just stepped out and just decided that I was going to take the risk to try it. All right, now um, when you got to the position of uh, the exploration, integration, and science, uh, you you served in a in a management capacity of a of that division. Um, I wonder when you entered into that. This was this is really you. You know, you talked about overseeing people. Now you're uh, you're overseeing almost a plan, an entire organization. I wonder how you started approaching that, taking on that new challenge of working specifically with a division and the leadership approach that you took to that. 
Yeah. So you know, the, the good thing about it was, um, you know, the center had done a, a reorganization and uh, the organization had been uh, formed about two years before I got there. Mm. And so when I got to the organization, I knew very well the exploration pieces of it because they had uh, been a part of what had been the Constellation program, which I'd been a part of that program. Mm. Uh, so I knew all of those pieces. It also then included the EVA um, organization, which that was added in, into that group. And when I worked shuttle, uh, of course, uh, managing a shuttle mission, once it assembled the space station, it required EVA as a as critical component right. of making that happen. So I knew the people that were in that organization very well. I knew what their um, their positions were. I knew what they were capable of as well. And I also knew the role that they had with space station currently and the role that they would have going forward for exploration. Uh, the one group that I was not familiar with was the science organization. And so, but of course, my fascination <laughs> with science. Right. Uh, and, and so, you know, my very first day, they were, okay, we want to, you know, show you everything that we have. We want to show you all the testing capability. <laughs> and so they could tell that I was super excited, Good. you know, about the work. But understanding how it all fit together, right? It was looking at, you know, you had a team of looking at mission architectures, how do you plan these missions to uh, system integrators that would help to integrate the mission, as well as the EVA folks, which would be critical to performing and conducting the missions, as well as um, there's uh, an organization included uh, that looks at um, performance and planning, uh, so budgets mm. and, and how do you support mm. uh, doing assessments of or for laying out those particular missions and then to include the scientists as a part of that. So the, you know, why are we doing this in the first place? It was to me, this is like the best, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you got the whole end to end in terms of a, of, of a capability to provide uh, to not just the center, but to the agency. Uh, so I, I was very thrilled uh, to be the, the leader of the organization. And uh, so for me, it was making sure that each of those groups, um, that their skills were being included in the agency's plans. So working uh, with um, my counterparts and other people at headquarters that were um, kind of laying out, I think when, when I first started, we hadn't quite pivoted all the way back to the moon plan. We were still a little bit on the asteroid. Read mm. it, uh, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, um, so making sure that um, the 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 ideas that were coming out of headquarters that we were able to lay those out into actual missions that we could accomplish. Hmm. Uh, so, um, taking the the group, uh, and then we had a, like I remember we had a, we had a retreat. Uh, maybe like two months in, uh, to say, hey, what are what are what are the roles that we have within the agency, within the center, and how are we utilizing that to accomplish NASA's goals and the center's goals? Uh, and uh, so it, it really just was that. You know, you kind of have to say, you know, again, it goes back to what is it that we're trying to do, and mm -hmm. then. Uh, then laying out how we're going to do it. And from my standpoint, as being the director of that organization, my responsibility was to make sure that everyone had the resources that they needed and um, whatever um, agreements that I needed to make with headquarters or with other organizations here at the Johnson Space Center to make that happen. Seems very challenging from your description because one of the unique things that popped out to me when you were describing this particular division is they all seem like they should be siloed, right? You got this, you got the science people, you got the budget people, you got the planning people, you got the EVA people. They all seem like they should be doing different things. But it sounds like your role was to take these very different things and give them the resources they need, integrate them, make sure that they were had the had were connected to agency level missions. Your your director as the director role, you were the grand integrator, making yep. sure everything yep. sort of flowed. That seemed I mean, that face value to me. It seems very challenging. 
well, maybe, but it was really fun (laughs) (laughs) because I could see um, where and how uh, each person fit into uh, NASA's overall goals, Hmm. right? And so how to get everyone to understand how they played together. And once they did and they saw, then the science team uh, and the architecture folks, they started on Fridays on their own having meetings where they got together and talked about, okay, hey, if we're going to go to the moon, where should we go? And having Ah. those discussions um, independent of actually being asked to do that. Very good. All right. Self-motivated people. I feel like uh, this this skill set of of taking all these different aspects and trying to integrate them, talking with the people, making making those agency connections, prepared you eventually because you made your way to the center director's office. You you as the director of Johnson Space Center are of course in that office, but but you didn't just go in. You you've been there for for a little bit. And I wonder how those skills. It seems like those skills would translate very nicely. Um, I, and I wonder how that transition happened. Yeah. So, you know, I, I look at my, um, I've had lots of jobs. So mm-hmm. one might think, well, can she keep a job? But, <laughs> <laughs> but it has taken every job that I've had, I feel, to equip me uh, to do the job that I have today. Hmm. I've learned uh, something from every single uh, one. Uh, so actually, before I became Director of Exploration, Integration, and Science, I had done a um, job at the, the center level. Um, that was like an assistant uh, center director um, mm. when Ellen Ochoa was was the center director. Okay, and so that role allowed me to learn more about the agency because um, I had done a rotation uh, at NASA headquarters uh, earlier in my career, mm. which was very beneficial to understand how the agency worked. But then when I had that particular role um, in support of the center director. That allowed me to understand how the center director interfaced with the rest of the agency and the specifics that were required for the center to be able to get, you know, the resources to get the assignments that we have at the Johnson Space Center. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it was, I think, very critical. Then I went to Exploration Integration and Science and Uh was more of helping the agency with developing the new plan of us going now to the moon and going to Mars. So now fast forward uh, where I am today, having been a deputy and during that particular time, Mm -hmm. um, helping with getting the gateway program here and being a part of the negotiations to secure that as as an assignment for this center, which is a critical component of the whole Artemis plan. as the as the deputy, I also was then able to learn and work with other deputies across the agency to understand how the Johnson Space Center can um, work and leverage with others to accomplish our goals, mm-hmm. and so and also learn more about the center. The Johnson Space Center is huge, three thousand civil servants. You got like almost eight thousand. Uh, contractors. We have another, you know, satellite center in New Mexico. Plus, we have a team in El Paso. Our, our, you know, capabilities are very broad. I mean, we have everything from airplanes to responsibility for the Orion spacecraft. So, learning how the center works and all of the support organizations that are critical to making that happen, mm-hmm. and learning the the people. Um, I felt like the the deputy position really prepared me now to be the director um, where I have responsibility for setting the vision and, you know, ensuring that we have excellence in our missions today, Mm -hmm. but also that we are ready to support where we're going to go in the future. Uh, So I'm very proud of that in the past year, you know, I have been able to accomplish uh, us having, you know, a, a new program where mm. we have now our EVA and our surface mobility elements mm-hmm. in one organization, and we're going to be supporting both space station and going forward with our exploration. Mm-hmm. And then just recently, where we were able to award, you know, contracts for new suits that we have not had since, you know, 1980. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a it's a big deal, and uh, as a, when you see the signs of you know Dare United Explorer across the center, I want people to to understand 
that really what that's about is how do we put out big, bold ideas for ourselves? Because three years ago, we said we wanted to have new suits. We had been working on it in terms of technology and um, making uh, great strides in the development, in-house development, which is we needed to do that in order for us to be where we are today. Mm -hmm. But we did not have the dollars mm. that were defined and identified for us to be able to do that. And so the work of the center director is, you know, orchestration of what's going on today, but it is about planning and strategizing so that we can go forward into the future. So it's been uh, quite uh, a lot to, to learn. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but, you know, kind of having the know-how, how do you piece all that together? Because I feel it's important that everyone, when they come to the Johnson Space Center, that they understand how they fit in the bigger piece of the puzzle. Right. And that we really are the enablers of human spaceflight. That is what we do here. This passion you're talking about, and, and there's, there's a mix of passion and, and preparation that I feel like led you to when the opportunity opened up uh, to become center director. It seems like you, you, to me, you would approach it with a certain level of preparation with the experience necessary based on everything that we've discussed. But you seems like you have this, this drive, this vision. Um, and I feel like that, it, 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 am I reading it right that you went into this position confident? Can you talk about when you actually like got the position, when you were applying for the position. Am I, am I reading that right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, I mean, I would not have actually put my name in the hat had I not thought that I was actually prepared for it, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm the mother of an Eagle Scout. I was a Girl Scout. Preparation is like, you know, <laughs> fundamental. <laughs> All right. And so, you know, I knew that I had um, an, a really solid understanding of the Johnson Space Center mm. and of the needs of the Johnson Space Center and that I had a vision to be able to carry us forward into the future. And so take that with, I, we already talked, my, my passion, all things human spaceflight. <laughs> uh, and so uh, when I uh, spoke with the administrator about the position and he was, you know, vetting me for the job, I'm that's what I shared with him mm. is that, you know, I do feel that I'm, you know, prepared, well-qualified and uh, very passionate about the Johnson Space Center and our success. So tell me about that moment when you got the job. How did it feel? What was that moment like? So it was very exciting. You know, I, I will tell you, um, you know, it's one of those where you think, okay, you know, I will be happy or I will be excited or I'm, I'll be thrilled. But it was really a, a, a very emotional moment in terms of I literally, literally squealed on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> literally. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm in my office. So I don't want people to think that there's something going on in here. So I had to calm it down. But, yeah, I did. So, um very exciting moment. You said emotional, but I think um, one of the things that's apparent to me is you came into it with goals and a vision. Uh, and I have no doubt that you hit the ground running. So tell me about some of the some of the first things that you said, okay, I'm the director now. Here's, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to start accomplishment. I really want to focus on this first year mm -hmm. as director. What was some of your what were some of the things you set out to do and started immediately? Yeah, so so immediately, Gary, I knew two things that, you know, I had to make sure that everyone um, was clear, no change, excellence in missions. That's what we do at the Johnson Space Center. Mm. Hands down, <laughs> there's no fuzz on it. Everybody knows that, right? right? And so clear broadcast to the team, no, no change there. We're going to continue to be who we are that's in our DNA. The second thing was we have to transform for the future. The world around us is changing, and the way that things are being done is being done differently. And we don't want to be 
Kodak, right? <laughs> we don't want to be, you know, the dinosaur that did not move and change right. as they saw the environment changing. And so ensuring that our industry partners, as they want to do things that align with NASA's goals are things that are different from NASA's goals, but it, that they understand that we have the technical expertise, we have the facilities that will enable them to be able to do that faster. And so communicating that to industry and academia uh, was very important to me. Mm-hmm. And so I've been uh, very pleased that we have had um, very good discussions and various forums. Uh, we just held um, a conference called Descend Texas with, uh, in coordination with the AIAA, where we brought in industry, we brought in investors for people to come in and they could understand that if people want to do human exploration in space, Johnson Space Center is the place where they want to have that connection, Hmm. that we are going to be that hub. And so I feel really good. And we have companies, as you know, um, Johnson is also responsible for the new LEO commercialization efforts. Right. And they're companies that are going to be building follow-on space stations. So for them to know that we here at the Johnson Space Center, we're not just responsible for the program, but we also want to be a part of those new efforts. Hmm. We want to be... Uh, the people that are helping to build these new space stations where our astronauts or other private astronauts are going to go and they're going to work because we're going to continue to have a need to do exploration in low Earth orbit. Right. It's close to home. We can send things like four hours. They get there. We can experiment on them, learn, bring them back, and then fold that into our exploration efforts. Mm -hmm. But um, so making good strides there, the whole... um, you know, contract for the EVA suits mm-hmm. was was significant. Mm-hmm. Um, we are doing that differently. We're doing it as a service contract. We won't own the suits, but we're going to be able to give our requirements, our needs to industry as they design and develop them. We'll be a part of, of engaging with them mm-hmm. on how they're doing that. They'll do the testing here at the Johnson Space Center. So we'll be a part of that. And then our operators will be the ones that will be operating those suits. So the way that things are being done may be somewhat done differently, but the outcome, the end result of us being able to continue to do human space exploration is the same. Mm. So those were the key fundamental things for me. Day one was to get moving on those initiatives so that all of our workforce can, you know, feel pride in what we're doing. And also for them to know we have a very bright future. We are going to be continuing to do space exploration well into the future. Focusing on the commercial aspect for a second and and really just this past year of you as, as director, a lot has happened. We've had commercial cargo. We've had crew rotation missions on the SpaceX Dragon, the first private astronaut mission to the space station, uh, the uncrewed Boeing test flight, and then, of course, this contract for suits. I'm probably missing a couple of things, too, but that's that's in just a year, that's a lot of commercial stuff. If if you look at your the goals that you set out for establishing the, the Johnson Space Center as this focal point and and moving with the speed of industry. How do you feel reflecting back on this last year and looking at all the commercial missions that were accomplished? How do you feel? Do you think we did it? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, again, these are our U.S. astronauts mm-hmm. that are flying on these commercial vehicles. The private astronaut mission of enabling them to be able to go to the space station to use that facility you know, that took a lot of cultural change mm-hmm. uh, for us to be able to accomplish that in addition to the technical. Um, but those are, and we are getting science results even from the from the private astronauts, right? So all of that folds into our long-term exploration goals as well. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I'm very uh, pleased with, with all that we accomplished. And it's amazing to me right. that we were able to do all of that in just one year. 
Just one year. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's just that, that's just the commercial element, right? Like right. What you, you mentioned the exploration yeah. too. Yeah, I mean we're we're building um, a rover that's uh, going to be a part of. Um, one of the robotic missions to the moon called Viper. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's being tested. Lots of great, um, you know, effort being done there. Mm-hmm. We're we're helping to support uh, a program called Commercial Lunar Payload Services, which mm. is robotic uh, missions uh, to the moon. Um, and, you know, our, our engineers are a part of that. Uh, we are, you know, gateway. You think about you know what we're doing with the human lander system, the support right. to those activities, all of those efforts are um, have been accomplished within this past year. How do you, as center director, um, try to manage it all? Is it is it maybe is it a reliance on people? Is it is it absorbing and communicating? What is as as a single person as that focal point, the person in this in the, as the center director? Lots happening. That's very very apparent. How do you, what is the what are the things that you're focusing on to make sure everybody's successful? Yeah. So the first thing you're absolutely right is to have a good leadership team. Hmm. And so number one for me is making sure I have the right people that are in positions. And so the selections that we had this year of, you know, Laura Kearney as being the lead for EVA, mm-hmm. of Howard Hugh for being Orion, you know, the the changes that we have in our leadership team, because there's going to always be change. People mm. are going to, you know, move to new positions. If I'm doing my job right, then I'm helping to grow people so that they can go take on higher responsibilities. Mm. So like Kathy Kerner moving up and being a deputy of our Exploration Systems Mission Directorate. Um, right. And so uh, that that is very important because once you get the right leaders, again, then it's their responsibility to lead their particular orgs, right? And so I am you know, reliant and relying on them Mm. for them to take on the responsibilities that they have assigned to them and to carry them out effectively. Mm. Now, as the overall leader, especially for our missions, right, you know, I'm still responsible for signing off on the flight readiness to say that our astronauts can get on these vehicles. Mm -hmm. And so the commercial crew program, they have you know, responsibility for working with the provider and our safety folks, our health, human health and performance, engineering, everyone is reviewing uh, and making sure that the procedures, our flight, you know, FOD, everyone has a critical role, but it is my responsibility to look at all of the data and say, I'm satisfied that everyone has done their jobs and we're good to go. So I, and I take that responsibility very, very seriously. That mm-hmm. is my number one job is the the safety um, and uh, mission success of our of our astronauts when they go into space and then making sure that I have the right leaders in all of these positions and then holding them accountable mm-hmm. for doing their jobs. And I do, and they do a great job. <laughs> <laughs> and so at the end of the day, we are able to accomplish all of these great things, but yeah. it is not me by myself. It is having a leadership team that's in place that is able to do those positions. If you reflect on the responsibilities of what it takes to to sign off on something so critical, right? You say you say you take it very very seriously. You have to analyze data. You have to rely on people. You have to have very trustworthy people. When it take when you when you think about that level of responsibility and the qualities that you've built up over your career over time through all of these different aspects. What are some of the key things and what are the key characteristics, key traits that you think is critical to be a successful leader? Oh, one is listening mm. and listening to understand um, and the ability to have critical uh, judgment capability. Mm. And sometimes you have to be able to make decisions not based on every piece of information you may not have it all and so that's where you're you have to then have um, experience that you draw on that gives you that judgment so um, I do think it's it's those things um, but then uh, a large part of it is you know again 
being confident in your abilities, be, being confident in your team, mm-hmm. and that they have done their their due diligence. Um, but then, you know, when I have uh, our center level uh, flight readiness reviews, always stopping and asking, is there anything additional? Are there any dissenting opinions? But hmm. making sure that you have as much information, all of the facts, all of the data that you can, and then, you know, making a good sound decision. Hmm. A lot of people look up to you for that, for that level of responsibility, especially internal. You got leaders, you got you got people that, that are relying on you. But I think about externally as well. Um, you, it's, you are the first African-American woman to, to, to be a center director. That is something that I think people look up to, especially little girls that look up and say, I want to be like you. When you think about that responsibility, uh, I'm sure, I'm sure this is not, this is not a new thing. I'm sure people have asked you about, um, to try to learn from you and, and take and look at you as a mentor um, in their own, to little girls that want to be like you. How do you handle that responsibility? Yeah. So at first it was a little intimidating. Mm. You know, I'm just like, okay, uh, you know, <laughs> that's that's a, a, a lot. Right. But I will tell you, Gary, I have, um, I've embraced it hmm. because I know that it does matter uh, for my myself, um, you know, coming along. Um, when I first started at NASA, there were not a lot of women in certain roles. And so you kind of felt a little bit alone and trying to figure things out. Um, I was fortunate to have male mentors that were willing to pour into me to, you know, give me advice and, and, you know, to tell me, you know, you can do this, gut it out, you know, <laughs> and, and to keep encouraging me to keep going. Yeah. But I will tell you that, you know, when I saw Ellen as the center director and um, the things that she was able to accomplish, it let me know that, you know, I too could do that. And so hmm. I know for me, it's important for me to share my story right. so that others can know that they can do it too that this is definitely something that they can achieve. Is that the message that you pass on when you get those questions? What, what are some of the things when, when young girls ask you, how do I be, how do I be like you? Yeah. What are some of the pieces of advice that you give them? So first I tell them, find your passion, you mm-hmm. know, because like you said, I do this because I'm very passionate about it. Yeah. But, you know, fi- find your passion because it is going to take a lot of dedication. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of hard work. And if mm. you are not passionate about it, you, you know, you're not going to do well. Mm. So first, find, find your passion. But then, you know, understand that sometimes it's not going to be easy. It's just not. It, it, it's going to take, just like I said, they're going to be no's. They're going to be, you know, mm. some obstacles thrown in your way. But if you are passionate about it, you really want to do it, then you'll figure out ways to navigate. You'll figure out how to take take a no and say, okay, it's a no. What can I do differently? What can I change about myself? What do I need to learn? You know, what what do I need to do to be prepared, mm. you know, to, to make it the next time around? Uh, and then when the challenges come, you know, if you really are passionate about it, you really want it, you know, you're willing to deal with sometimes some crappy situations mm-hmm. to get to where you want to be. All right. Now, you're obviously not done as director. Uh, you, you, this is just your first year, um, and I'm sure you have plans for, for what's coming up. And one thing that I think is, is very apparent if you, look pa- if you look at this past year is that things are moving fast. <laughs> There's a lot happening, very, very speedy pace. Um, what are your goals going forward to keep the center moving and the pace that you want, uh, and you mentioned th- your goals of keeping uh, Johnson Space Center as a focal point for a lot of things, of moving with that speed of industry. What are what are your what are your goals going forward? Yeah, excellent. So again, number one, <laughs> excellence in missions, because we don't get to be the Johnson Space Center if we become like number five. That's not how it happens, right? Mm-hmm. So so we have to stay focused on that, mm. and we have to be you know, on our A game. So, Mm -hmm. you know, so keeping our folks with whatever resources they need to be able to do that. But then uh, number two, it's just what I said, you know, the whole Dare United Explore, 
how do we keep ourselves, um, you know, game changers? How do we make sure that we are the people that people want to come to? Mm. And how do you uh, come and work with the Johnson Space Center. So one of the big things that you'll see us working on uh, coming up in the future is, you know, as you said, industry wants to move fast and the government doesn't move fast. Mm -hmm. So how do I make it as easy as possible for others to want to work with us? So you're going to see us kind of unveiling how we're going to be doing that going forward in the future. Wow. That's going to be coming very soon. <laughs> and so, and I've been working with my um, headquarters counterparts on how can they help me mm-hmm. to reduce the red tape so we can move faster, so we can move at the speed of industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are some critical things that you'll see um, moving forward. Uh, and then the, the other part of it is, though, then it's that the what, what we're going to be doing. And so ensuring that we're going to continue to have really good, meaty programs and excellent work for our workforce. That mm-hmm. is what I see uh, coming forward uh, for the next year and for the next you know couple of years. It's, it's, it's exciting to me to hear you've been at NASA for, for 30 years, and I, I don't get a sense of you slowing down at all. <laughs> you're, you're moving, um, but, but your, uh, your goals, um, you know, I wonder when you, when you think about that, as the director, you have a lot of ability to change to change the way that things are, and, and your vision is very clear to me of how you want that change. What is your goals in terms of what you the mark that you want to leave on the on the Johnson Space Center the the Johnson Space Center that you want to build? I'm sure your legacy doesn't seem like it's over, right? But what is the legacy that you want to leave the Johnson Space Center with in yeah. terms of going forward and building that? Yeah, I, I want us to be um, the center of of excellence in human space exploration. Mm. And I want us to to be for the United States uh, and for the world. You know, right now today, you know, we have um, many partners. Uh, we have partners that are a part of the International Space Station. As you know, with Artemis, we're bringing on new people that want to be a part of Artemis. And so for all of the countries that want to be a part of human space exploration, I want them to also know that Houston, Texas, there's a place called the Johnson Space Center. And, you know, if they're in whatever country in, you know, Africa, India, you know, the world is so large uh, that they can, you know, come here and we will help them to be a part of the peaceful cooperation of space. Vanessa Weich, what a beautiful way to end this. This has been such a fascinating dis- discussion, and um, I I hope our listeners leave the way that I'm leave this conversation the way that I'm leaving it is inspired and excited for what has been accomplished and and what will be accomplished. And I think it's 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 very inspiring to hear to hear your your passion and your drive to make this all happen. So I appreciate you coming on and telling your story. Congratulations on your first year. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Was really inspired to be talking to Vanessa White today uh, after her first year of serving as the director of the Johnson Space Center. Hope you learned something today. Check out nasa.gov slash Johnson for the latest going on at the center here. We, of course, are one of many NASA podcasts, and you can check out all of them at nasa.gov slash podcast, including us, where we have our full collection of episodes, and you can listen to them in no particular order. If you want to talk to us, we're on the NASA Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just use the hashtag AskNASA on your favorite platform to submit an idea for the show, and just make sure to mention it's for us at Houston. We have a podcast. You can also follow uh, the center director, Vanessa Weich, on Twitter at V underscore Weich. Uh, That's W-Y-C-H-E. 
This episode was recorded on June 10th, 2022. Thanks to Alex Perriman, Greg Wiseman, Pat Ryan, Heidi Lavelle, Belinda Polito, Isidro Reyna, and Jaden Jennings. And of course, thanks again to Vanessa White for taking the time to come on the show. Give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on and tell us what you think of our podcast. We'll be back next week.